Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. I just got back from a missions trip uh, on late Friday night, technically Saturday morning, I guess. And Jasmine, stand up for us. I know you love the attention. Jasmine got back with me. The other three are not here this morning. So this morning, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the missions trip, um, but I'm also doing something else. Can I, can I fill you in on a conversation Derek and I had a few weeks ago? He was like, Riley, you're super awesome. Right? You're, you're like my favorite person ever, and you're doing such a great job. I feel like I need to challenge you. I was like, okay. He's like, you're going to get back from your missions trip super, super late. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to run out of no sleep. You're probably not going to even want to wake up and go to church, but I want you to preach. I was like, okay. And then he's like, you know, I want to challenge you even more. You know, we're just going to do one service that morning. So there are going to be some people who don't hear about that. So there's going to be people who walk in at 1030, and it's going to be, going to be great. I was like, okay, sure. And then he's like, you know, I want to make it even a little more challenging. That morning, we're not going to have worship. So you kind of have to be fun and play a game and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay. And then he's like, you know, I want to make it even a little bit more challenging. You're going to start a brand new sermon series. I was like, okay. So that's where we are this morning. So I... I'm fired up. I'm running on very little sleep, uh, but it is going to be a fantastic morning, and we are kicking off a new sermon series called Summer in the Psalms. And just a little background on Psalms, what, what the book is. There are 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. It's the longest book in the Bible, and because it's so long, it's actually broken up into kind of like five smaller little books, so it's less intimidating to read. And there are 150 chapters, and they're written by a bunch of different authors. The person who wrote the most was David, King David, who led, who led Israel for a while. Also the, the same David that defeated Goliath. He wrote the most books in Psalms. There were a lot of other authors. And the word Psalms in, Hebrews, in Hebrew means praises. So a lot of these Psalms were actually meant to be sung. And, you know, since I figured there's no worship this morning, uh, let's sing some psalms, okay? I'll lead us. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We do not want to hear that. But that's really how psalms were intended to be read. And some, some are prayers. Some are, some are prophetic. And with that in mind, we're, we're going to jump into this series, Summer in the Psalms. And we're going we're gonna to start in Psalm chapter 1, which means this series will be 150 weeks. Uh, so if you can make it through this whole series, props to you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It'll be, I don't even know how long, six weeks, eight weeks. I've been gone for weeks. So I'm out of the loop. But Psalm chapter one, if you have your Bibles and you should, Kyla's yelling at the screen right now. I know it. Turn to Psalm chapter one. And as you're doing that, just, just want to remind you again, what, what Bethany said. If you on your way out the doors this morning, want to read and be, be a part of what we're doing here at the bridge. Grab one of those sheets. It was so fun. 
at the new year when, when we decided to read the book of Matthew together and just to see how, how the church rallied behind um, just a, a reading plan. So we're going to do that again. So if you want to grab that on your way out the doors this morning and read it through the entire book of Psalms in the next 60 days, that would be awesome. But Psalm chapter 1 says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit at the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Jesus, this morning I pray, God, that you speak to us through this text. God, I pray each person, as we walk out the door, just feels encouraged and and feels equipped to to jump into their faith a little bit deeper. Your name, amen. Amen. Well, Psalm chapter 1, it lays out two types of people. Those two types of people are, one, followers of Jesus, two, non followers of Jesus. You might be like, well, yeah, that's super basic, super, super entry level Christian stuff there, but it's true, right? In this world, there are two people. There are people who follow Jesus and people who don't. And how many know there should be a difference between these two groups of people, right? There should be a difference between someone who trusts the Lord with their life and someone who doesn't, right? I'd take it one step further and I'd say there needs to be a difference between these two types of people. Because right, this passage, it lays out what followers of Jesus should be. It, it lays out that, that followers of Jesus don't do what the world does, where it says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Right, we have to live our lives differently. It also, it says that their delight comes from God, not the world. Right, it says that followers of Jesus read their Bible when it says it, they meditate on his law day and night. And lastly, it says that, that followers of Jesus live out the Great Commission, right, where it talks about our lives yielding fruit. And to be a follower of Jesus, these, these are the four things we need to do. Right? We need to not be influenced by the world. We need our joy and our delight to come from God. We need to read our word, and we need to live out the Great Commission. And then it goes on to, to give us what non-followers of Jesus are. And it, it simply says, people who don't follow Jesus, let the world dictate their life. They let the world influence their lives. Right? And there's a difference between these two groups of people. Right? People who follow Jesus stand firm in what they believe. People who don't let their life be swayed by what the world says. Right, there needs to be a difference between these two groups of people. And the scary thing about letting the world dictate our life is that the world can be a dark place. The world can be a scary place. Right? And the, the truth is the enemy has a stronghold in this world that he shouldn't have. And when I say the enemy, there's something that the missionary I was just with said that that transformed the way some of our students think. He said, 
a lot of times we make the wrong people the enemy. We, we make people the enemy. People aren't the enemy. People are lost. The enemy is Satan. The enemy is the devil. And when we confuse who the enemy is, we lose perspective. So when I say the enemy has a stronghold, it's not people are evil. Right? It's the devil is evil. Right? Satan is evil, and he is a stronghold in this world. And our job as believers is to push back on this darkness. But this darkness looks so different in so many different places around the world. And like I said, I just got back from the country of Ecuador on a missions trip, and it was, it was incredible. Maybe the best mission trip I've ever been on. And real quick here, I want to I throw up a picture of our team. I believe we have one coming. There we go. This, this was our, our bridge team. Uh, Jasmine on the left, the guy in the mustache. I don't know who he is. Uh, Callie's in the middle, Connor, and Phil is on the right. They, man, they, I'll just say this, they represented the bridge so well. Right? They chased after God with their whole heart, and it was, it was an honor to lead them this week. And I think we have a picture of our entire team. There we go. Yeah, this, this is our entire team. We, we were able to partner with a church from Farmington, Minnesota, called Homestead Church that was absolutely incredible. They brought 20 students and three leaders. And it was so fun to see uh, just how our, our two churches came together as one. And, man, just seeing this picture, I, I wish I was back. Oh, they're the best. But also in this picture, the, the missionary and his family is in this picture. If you can see me kind of in the top right, the guy up and to the right with the hat, that is the missionary. His name is Ashley Penley. And, man, he poured and invested into our students so much during this week. And, and the cool thing is he had three kids who are also in this picture. And his three kids, right, they, they don't have a say in being in Ecuador, right? When, when a, a parent is called to be a missionary, the kids kind of get dragged along in it. And one of the coolest things for me this week was to see his kids, two girls, 13 and 14, and a son who's 18, be just as committed as the missionary. And I, man, I was so inspired by the missionary, by this team. And I, I'll, I'll share a little bit more of of what happened this week. But before the trip, I, I said that missions trips are great because it's it's a change of place plus a, plus a change of pace, which equals a change of perspective. And I, I can say with 100% certainty, and you can talk with Jasmine afterwards. I know she would love to talk to every single person in this church. But our perspective changed this week. And it's something that, is going to impact my life forever. It's going to impact every single person in that picture forever. And I'm believing that you know, God is going to continue what he did in Ecuador back here in Minnesota. But we, we were in Ecuador in a community that's called Kodakachi. Everyone say Kodakachi. It was, it was a super cool community that was surrounded by a lot of smaller communities. And Kodakachi is kind of the, the, the central biggest city, and that's where we were. And the, the trip was super unique because we were in Kodakachi during, during a festival that they have called Interaimi. 
Everyone say, Interaimi. Nailed it. But this festival is a festival that, that they, they worship their sun god. And Dylan, if you can throw this, this first picture up, it, it looks like a, a very fun time. And it's, it's, the idea behind it is there are these central communities like Kodakachi where all the smaller communities will march down into the city. And it's basically, the missionary described it as it's kind of like a dance battle. Right, they just like they dance for literally a week straight, worshiping their sun god, thanking the sun god for last year's harvest, but also worshiping him to try to try to have good blessings for the next year as, as the new harvest comes. And this is something that's celebrated in in most of the the northern part of Ecuador in the mountains. But Cotacachi's Interaimi is a little different. Dylan, throw the next picture up. This is what Kodakachi's into the Rami looks like. You can see just from how they dress and, and their hats and and their chaps and everything, it it looks a little darker, right? And that's because it is. In Kodakachi, they do the same thing as the, the all the communities around them. But the enemy has a has a stronghold in this community. And there's so much confusion that makes this festival so dark. And you can see on their hats, right, you can see a cross on the right. You can see a a lightning bolt on the guy in the middle. But as as I was walking through this festival, and I, I will say this, the missionary was amazing. We were completely safe the entire time. Um, and we, we never were put in any situations where we were in danger or anything. Uh, so I just want to say that, calm some parents' nerves. Uh, but there's so much confusion. And, and our very first day we were there, our team was preparing for our ministry we were going to be doing that week. And we were practicing some dances, and I was all in on the dance, and I was sweating like crazy. But the missionary was like, Riley, come here. So I was like, okay. He's like, you want to walk down and and – uh, just kind of see what's going on during this festival. I was like, sure. So he had me uh, walk through this festival, and it, it looked exactly like this. There were thousands of people who had marched down into Kodakachi, and, and it wrecked me. It was the most intense spiritual feeling I've ever had in my life. And I was just surrounded by darkness and surrounded by, by people without hope, people who are lost. And the entire time, I, I was reminded of the story in Acts chapter 17 where Paul is walking through Athens and, and he sees all these different gods. And he sees one that says, to an unknown God. And later on in the chapter, he, he starts talking with people and he's like, I know that you guys are very religious. You're very spiritual. You just don't know the truth. You don't know where to put your faith. That was the exact feeling I felt as I was walking through the streets and people are are marching and and chanting and, and whistling and had been drinking for the entire week straight. And it broke my heart because there's so much darkness where we were. But the cool thing is, in the darkness, 
God did so much cool, so many cool things. And God moved so powerfully. And light always outweighs darkness. Always outweighs darkness. And, and you, can, you can throw the, the next picture up. And during this darkness, we, we were able to do some kids' ministry that was super, super fun. And the, the interesting part about it was we would drive out of Kotakachi into the surrounding villages, and there'd be even some, maybe some dads who had been drinking for a week straight and had marched down into the city, and we got to minister to their kids and to their wives all week. And it was super, super powerful. We did, we did seven kids' programs, and I wish I would have counted, but I think we, I think we ministered to about 700 people uh, at these seven programs. And it was super, super powerful as we worked with the missionary and his team, and we danced, and Jasmine might even show you a dance afterwards if she's feeling up for it. Uh, but I, I took this picture uh, as we were about to start our, our first program, and it was, it was so cool because the missionary has never been in this community before. And he was like, as we were driving out there, it was about an hour drive, he's like, Riley, I wouldn't expect many people at this program. I wouldn't expect a ton of people to be there because we don't have any connection here. He reached out to like the, the community leader and was like, hey, can I bring a team up and do something? The community leader was, was pretty hesitant about it, but he eventually said yes. And so we made our way up here, and this was our very first program of the week. And as soon as we got there, kids just started flooding out of houses and flooding out of stores. We had about 100 kids at this program, and it was so exciting. It was, it was, it was so fulfilling because we'd been preparing for two days and, and praying to try to, try to break the, the spiritual stronghold in this community, and, and we didn't know what to expect as Interaimi was going on. We were like, there could be two kids, there could be three kids. There were 100 kids that showed up, and it was amazing. And then... The program, we kind of stumbled our way through it. It was our first one. But at the end of every program, we got to pray with kids. And kids gave their hearts to Jesus. They said yes to following him. And it was so powerful. It was something that, that fired me up. I was like, okay, God, let's top that one. Let's top that program. And that afternoon, where we're driving to our next program, and the missionary pulls me aside, and he's like, Riley, don't expect much of this program. We, we've been here twice before. The first time, we had about 25 kids. And they didn't really like what we did a whole lot. When we went back the second time, we had three kids. I was like, okay, well, we're going to have three kids. But that afternoon, we had about 40 kids. And it was so powerful to see strongholds being broke. To see as, as, as dads were worshiping their son God. As they're so lost, some kids were finding hope. And we, we traveled 3,000 miles to share that hope. And this picture behind me, this is it's a picture right outside our hotel door. And there's a big city, city center, like plaza, in the middle where the thousands of people would, would come together. And from our hotel, we could hear people praying to their God. We could hear people whistling and chanting and dancing. 
that we were surrounded by so much darkness. But God was so faithful this week and showed up in, in such powerful ways. And I will say, you see all those police officers are keeping us safe. So, But we, we were able to do some incredible ministry. But the, the thing that stuck out to me about this trip was how our lives changed. Because I think a lot of times we go on a missions trip and, and we, we think, oh, man, we're going to bless these missionaries. Right? We're going we're gonna to make, make them feel loved and encourage them. But from the second we got down there, the missionaries were pouring into us. His kids were loving on us. His team of interns and, and locals that, that were helping pastor his churches were pouring into us. And our lives were changed forever. And just a, a few, few cool things that happened on our team and, and through our team. At one of our programs, the, the missionary was gone for most of the program. And I didn't think much of it. And the program ends, and he's like, Riley, come here. He's like, during the program, you know, like, sorry, I wasn't around. I wasn't there to help you guys out. But I was praying for a few people, and there was, there was this one lady who had a leg that was longer than the other. And as I prayed, her leg literally grew. And then he's like, and then I started praying for this other lady who was sick. And instantly, God healed her. And within like 10 minutes, two people were healed. And the, the second lady got so excited that she was like, come pray with my dad. That's why the missionary found me. And he found me and the, the pastors from the church in Homestead. We walked across this village into this lady's house, and we got to pray with her dad. And it was so cool to see lives physically healed. Because I think a lot of times we, we read the Bible, and we see Jesus heal people, and we're like, oh, that was, that was for back then. Right, but how many know we serve the same God as 2,000 years ago? Right, we serve a God that's greater than any of our problems. And that's what we taught these kids all week, that God is bigger than your problem. God is greater than anything that you can walk through. And on our team, there was a physical healing. There was a girl from the other church who had struggled with some hearing problems and some, like, some ringing sounds and, and stuff like that. And, and one night as we were worshiping, God completely healed her. We weren't praying for her. We didn't know she was having these problems. But the next morning, she's like, I can hear. I walked in front of the speaker last night, and for the first time in my life, my ears didn't ring and, and hurt uncontrollably. I was like, man, God is so good. God is so good. Throughout the trip, there were five people on our team that were, were baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and with the evidence of speaking in tongues. One night, there was an incredibly powerful prayer time we had at our, at our hotel where I asked our students, pray and ask God this question. Who am I here to meet? Who am I here to reach? And at first when I asked that, the students were like, what do you mean? We don't know anyone in Ecuador. I was like, if you pray this boldly, I'm believing that God's going to show you a face of a kid. God's going to give you a name. God's going God's to show you a, a color of a shirt or something like that. And that night there were, there were four girls on our team that, that were like, yeah. As I was praying, God gave me a vision of this, this little boy in a blue shirt that was standing right in front of me. And another girl was like, yeah, I, I saw this, this 
vision of a, a little kid playing in the corner who's in a red shirt. And four different girls told us, we are here to minister to this one person. And God came through. All four of those girls throughout the week saw the people, saw the kids that they were supposed to reach. And all four of them got to love on these people. And it was so encouraging to me. Because God is so good. God is so real. And when we pray boldly, when we ask God specific things, God speaks to us. I think a lot of times we limit what God can do. We need to be a church that goes all in in our faith. And this morning, as, as I continue on with this message, I, I just have a few quick thoughts. Um, I, I'm, I'm titling this message. I mean, most of the time people will say the title of their message at the beginning. I, I wait for about 20 minutes. Uh, but my title this morning is All In. All In. My shirt, this was our, our ministry shirt for the week. I washed it, I promise. And our shirt says Matthew five thirteen through 16. And these verses say this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I love these verses. And these were the, the, the verses that our missionaries would live by every single day. Because we are called to be a light that we don't hide. We are called to live out our faith in such a way that other people notice. And it's easy to do that when you're on a mission trip. It's easy to do that when you're surrounded by such darkness that you can literally feel in Ecuador. And it was so fun to see our students and our team live out their faith boldly and to be light, to be salt in this community. That's what God's calling each one of us to do, to be light in our community, to not hide our faith, to not shy away from the fact that people don't want us to be Christian. But God calls us to something greater. God gives us hope that carries us through any situation. And on the last night during our, our prayer time, I, I asked our team, and what's your biggest takeaway from this trip? Different students said different things just about you know, how, how God can use them more than they thought that they could. And, and other students said, you know, my biggest takeaway is I, I hear from God. But my biggest takeaway is that the church in America needs to wake up. The church in America needs to wake up. Because in Ecuador, right, there's, there's this darkness that we saw, and it makes it easy because you're either all in for your faith or you're all out. There's no middle ground. You're all in or you're all out. But in America, it seems to me like it's all middle ground. Right? The, the enemy 
Again, not people. The enemy, Satan, has tricked us into believing that being a Christian isn't that big of a deal. Right? People believe that you know, being a Christian is, oh, I go to church more than this person. I don't, I don't drink as much as this person. I, I don't act as bad as them. I, I'm, I'm just a little bit better than people who aren't Christians. But that's not the case. The church in America is living in the middle ground, and, and for me, I was convicted of this during this week, that I can't lead a church, I can't lead students that live in the middle ground. Because Jesus says in Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Right, these verses make it clear that our faith is not something you can be half in. Right, you can't have one foot in faith and one foot in the world. Right, Jesus, Jesus himself is saying, you must deny yourself. You must live different than the world. Going back to Psalm chapter 1, right? There are two different people in this world. There are people who follow Jesus, and there are people who don't. There's no middle ground. We need to be a church that's all in to follow Jesus. Right? We need to be a church that says no more to the middle ground. We're not going to let the world dictate what we do, but still just go to church one day a week and, and not think about Jesus for the next few days. No, we're going to be a church that steps in and says we are all in because when we go all in, man, our lives change forever. And our students experience that in Ecuador. And the same God that we experience there is the same God we can experience here. And I tell our students every once in a while that you might be the closest thing in thing anyone ever sees to Jesus. Right? You might be the closest representation of Jesus anyone ever sees. But if you're not all in, if you're letting the world dictate how you live, if, if you're not any different than the world, and you're the closest thing to Jesus, why would anyone follow Jesus? Right? If your life hasn't changed, and you're saying, oh, be like me, be a Christian, because Jesus has changed my life, but really you haven't changed. Why would anyone follow Jesus? If you're not all in, what's the point? This is what God convicted me of this week. On Monday night, the night after our, our first day of ministry, we did those two programs I talked about with like 100 kids and 40 kids and we were at we were at supper that night and the missionary's like riley let's go back to the church and we'll do a service just for you guys i was like okay let's do it everyone's tired but we'll do it so we walk across town after supper and, and as we walk into the church there's some worship music on the screen and people a few people grab their seats a few people kind of start hanging off and talking to the side and and I, I could tell that something cool was going to happen that night. And after about a minute, there was this one kid that, that stood up. 
started worshiping God with everything he had. And slowly, people saw what, what this kid was doing. And slowly, people were like, you know, he's worshiping, I'm going to worship too. And he went all in. And slowly, our team joined him. And one after one, students began standing up and, and praising God and worshiping with all they had. And what was meant to be a service for the missionary was going to speak and encourage us turned into all of our students worshiping with their entire heart and making the commitment that they were going to go all in. And, and every once in a while the missionary would, he'd, he'd turn the music down and he'd say something and encourage us and we'd go back to worshiping. And a little bit later he would do the same thing and he would encourage us again. We'd go back to worshiping. And then when I thought the night was about to wrap up, we started praying for our students. And for over three hours that night, God wrecked us. We had students worshiping as hard as they possibly could, singing louder than the speakers for over three hours. It was a night that I'll never forget. And that night was the night where the girl was healed. That night was the night where five of our students were baptized in the Holy Spirit. That night was a night where students said no to letting the world dictate what they were going to do in their life. And they said, we are going to deny ourselves and we're going to give up the things that have held us back for years. It was the most spirit-filled, spirit-filled service I've ever been a part of. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Our team tasted and saw that God was good. And once you taste that, once you see that, you can't go back. I'm believing that night was a night that changed the course of every single person's life. once you've tasted and seen the goodness of God, you can't go back. You can't not live your life all in. And I want to ask you this morning, have you tasted and seen the goodness of God? And if you haven't, have you really tried? Because once you taste that goodness, you can't go back. There's no more middle ground. And I'm praying that we're a church that sees God's goodness. And we're a church that says no more to the middle ground. And we step in to the all in. Because that's what, that's what Jesus calls his followers to do. Because we need to be a church that's all in. I mean, you know, our community needs it. Right? There are people in your family that need it. There are friends that need it. People that walk your schools every single day that need you to be all in. I'm making a commitment. I'm going to lead the way. 
I'm going to go all in. I'm pretty fired up this morning. I know some people might be thinking, oh, it's just a mission trip high. You know, I've been on a mission trip before, and, and yeah, everyone's fired up for a few days. But soon, Riley, Riley, he'll be back to normal. Maybe that's true. Or maybe, maybe I'm tired of seeing lukewarm Christians in this country. Christians who are saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to live in the world. Maybe I'm tired of seeing students be influenced by their friends more than they influence them. Maybe I'm ready for people to say, I'm all in in my faith. I'm believing that this can be a church that does that. This can be a church that says, I'm all in. I'm all in. Just taste and see that the Lord is good. And you can never go back. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.